Let's play a short game of fill in the blank, okay? Here's the fill in the blank I want you to take a crack at. Born blank. Any ideas? What comes to mind? Born blank. How about born yesterday? As in, I wasn't born yesterday. That's one that popped into my head for some reason. Or how about born free? If you are of a certain age, you probably remember the movie Born Free, or maybe you even remember the book. It was the story of a couple who raised an orphaned female lion cub to adulthood and then released her into the wilderness of Kenya. I still remember the song that went with the movie after all these years. Maybe you do too. And speaking of songs, I'm certainly showing my age with this one, but another one that comes to mind for me is Bruce Springsteen's song released in 1984, the same year I graduated from high school, Born in the USA. You remember that song? I forgot to bring my electric guitar or I'd sing it for you. Okay, what else? Born blank. Here are some more answers you might think of. Born loser or born and raised or born on the 4th of July, or born on Christmas Day, or born ready, or born to be wild. And of course, if you are religiously minded, especially if you are of a particular theological orientation, maybe the very first thing that popped into your mind was this one, born again. In the scripture this morning, the phrase isn't the familiar born again, but rather born of God. Maybe not the first thing you think of when you think of born blank, but born of God. It comes in this description, this defining description of Jesus that John offers at the very beginning of his gospel. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born, not of blood or of the will, of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born of God. Born of God. Wow. That is a much more powerful offering than any of the other born blank possibilities. Born of God born into the holy family of God, born to be included, born to be close, born not out of favor, but born to belong, born of God. And it's talking about you. You are born of God. You are empowered by Christ to be, to become part of the family of God. Children of God, you are born of God. 
It's a powerful and promising statement, but even as promising as it sounds, as hopeful and assuring as it sounds, please be aware that from a particular angle of biblical interpretation and orientation, a passage like the scripture for today, even a phrase like born of God, may well be wielded as a kind of two-edged sword Because on the one hand, saying that Jesus comes to all those who receive him, granting to them power to become children of God, born of God, cuts away historical, ethnic, and religious privilege. It breaks down exclusion. It means that Jesus comes not just to his own ethnic or religious tribe, but he comes to a wider swath of people, and therefore many more than those, just those of his own lineage and tribe, are now able to be included in the family of God, the chosen of God, the children of God. But at the same time, you can read that shift from smaller chosenness to larger inclusion, to mean that because, quote, his own people did not accept him, Jesus, that the scripture is saying that the family of God is now not just a bigger family, but a different family, a different tribe, so to speak. And therefore, it would seem that those who were formerly insiders are now on the outside, It is in that way of thinking as if Jesus comes, according to John, and fact number one, his own people did not recognize him for who he was, the light of God, the Christ. And because of that, and although the word because is not in the passage, it is implied because of that, fact number two, The chosenness shifts from a a chosen people of a particular ethnic and religious heritage, a particular tribe, to some entirely different group of qualified people, acceptable people. That is, now, fact number three, anyone who receives him, that is, accepts him, welcomes him, anyone who believes in him, who believes in his name, is the way the text says it, is part of a new exclusive group who receives the power to become children of children of God, born of God. You understand what I'm saying when I call this passage potentially a two-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, the family of God is expanded, extended through Christ. A barrier is cut through. The God of Israel becomes not just the God of Israel, but the God of the Gentiles. But at the same time, it could seem to be suggesting that the chosen people are no longer chosen, but are instead excluded themselves. And that's the sharp edge of the two-edged sword. And something that can lead down a slippery slope of anti-Semitism. And the idea that, quote, Jews are rejected because they reject Christ would be the shorthand version of such thinking. And if God rejects them, well, what kind of permission does that grant to us? 
it's not hard to imagine then that a scripture like this could quite easily be interpreted to be saying that the ones who rejected Jesus, who didn't see him as sent by God, are now rejected by God. They are no longer children of God because the children of God are now the ones who accepted Jesus as sent by God. You see the shift that could be suggested. Who is now good and who is bad? Who are the children of God and who are not? And on top of that, Biblical literalists will also take the believe in his name piece and act as though saying the words I believe in the name of Jesus is like saying the magic words of salvation. All you need to do is claim the name, speak the name, and you're good to go. No surprise then that there are so-called Christians walking around who cloak themselves in Jesus' name and yet have no idea or perhaps no interest in what it means to walk in Jesus' way or to value what Jesus valued or to care for the ones Jesus cared for. All of that is to say that depending on one's worldview, one's interpretation, this is a potentially dangerous passage because while it opens the door to a wider swath of people being recognized as God's children, it can appear to slam the door in the faces of others, those who make the mistake of not recognizing Jesus as the Christ. What do you think? Does God choose some and in doing so unchoose others? Is the name of Jesus speaking it in a certain way a test? Is quote unquote receiving him something that must be done in a particular and specific way? What does it mean to become a child of God? Is it a limited or limiting thing? Is God's family a tribe? Does it always depend on boundary making, determining that some are in and some are out? Is inclusion based on a religious test? Who's the judge? How is it that one is born of God? Who is it who is born of God? In my theological framework, which is built around an understanding of Jesus as an inclusionist, as someone who cares for people who others reject, who is a person of his time and culture, as much as a person who transcends time and place, who is primarily interested in healing and transformation, in such a theological framework, I choose a broad understanding of what it means to be children of God, to be born of God. I think the circle gets bigger because of Jesus. I think Jesus brings us light, is light, 
His birth is light. His life is light. His teachings are light. His way of relating to those around him, his followers, those who came to him for healing, even his enemies, is light. Even the last week of his life and the way he dealt with his impending death, his nonviolent response to the violence done to him, his willingness to love in a way that moves the entire conversation on past a conversation about deservedness or retaliation or the way the world defines power and control is light. His resurrection, whether you believe in the literal resurrection or you simply believe in the power of life to overcome death in so many ways, is light. And if we choose to walk in that light, to seek that light, to bathe in that light, the light that is demonstrated and reflected through the life and teachings and example of Jesus, to trust it, to share it, to spread it, then we are acting as children of God, as those born of God, because we are becoming sisters and brothers with Christ who is the firstborn of God. But all of that, in my way of thinking, has nothing to do with excluding others in order to feel included ourselves. Sure, there were plenty of people who probably did not recognize the uniqueness, the specialness of Jesus at the time that he came and lived among them. There were those who did not see him for who he was. And sure, he opened his arms wider than the strictures of his religious tradition might have allowed, at least in the practices of the religious leaders of the time. And sure, he and his followers after him moved the message of grace and hope beyond the confines of country and culture, of tribe and tradition, so that eventually all the world would have access to the message and access to the experience of being included in the family of God. But such moves forward were not dependent, in my understanding of scripture and my understanding of Christian theology, on excluding or punishing those who came before us or who belong to a different tribe than us in order for us to be elevated as the new special ones of God. And here's how I want to talk about that in a way that's very specific in terms of this morning's scripture. When the text says, he came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, born of God. How do you hear what is happening there? For the sake of interpretation, there seems to be a word missing. And in that sentence, but to all who received him, he gave power to become children of God, born of God, is the missing word also Or is the missing word instead? But to all who received him, he also gave power to become children of God, born of God. Or 
But to all who received him, he instead gave power to become children of God, born of God. Which is it? Also or instead? I think our human instinct, our tribal instinct, leans toward instead. It's the idea that one agenda, one party, one tribe, one race, one whatever should replace the other. Our tribe should replace the other tribe. Our good ideas should replace their bad ideas. Our sacredly held beliefs should replace their sacredly held beliefs. Winners and losers, insiders and outsiders, old and new, good and bad. But to all who received him, he instead gave power to become children of God, born of God. I think that's our human instinct. Maybe it comes from a survival instinct, making sure that my kind continue on. If God chooses me, then God must be unchoosing someone else. You can't have two favorites. God can't have two favorites, three favorites, ten favorites, a hundred favorites. Or else what's the point of being the favorite? the chosen, the valued and legitimate member, in this case, a member of the family. But it seems to me that in Christ, at least, the Christ who keeps choosing to include the unclean, the ill, the non-powerful, the poor, the social outcast, the operative word when it comes to the family of God being born of God, isn't the word instead, but the word also. But to all who received him, he also gave power to become children of God, born of God. That is, at the end of the day, at the end of the age, God's intention, God's direction is toward expanding the family growing the family, widening the reach, spreading the arms of inclusion. More is better. More healing, more transformation, more people on the inside instead of the outside. Because people aren't healed and transformed by being pushed away or punished. They are healed and transformed by being loved and embraced. That's how it happens, and that's how God works, period. We all read scripture, we all form our faith ideas, we all come to conclusions about what is right and what matters by wearing a particular set of lenses theological lenses, interpretive lenses, social and cultural lenses. Given that, I guess this is what I want to ask. Do you wear the lenses of instead, or do you wear the lenses of also? Think about that, because whatever lenses you wear is critically important to how you understand God. 
how you understand Christ, how you understand yourself, how you understand others, and how you understand who is or isn't, can or can't be part of the family of God. What lenses do you wear? The lenses of instead or the lenses of also? But to all who received him, he instead gave power to become children of God, born of God. Or to all who received him, he also gave power to become children of God, born of God. Which is it? And as you are thinking about that, think about this as well. In addition to the lenses through which you look, you also need something else in order to see. You need light. And I don't know what else you might use for that light, but I do know this. Christ is light. Light that shines in the darkness. And Christ's light of inclusion and healing and transformation shines on us, on all of us, for all of us. Born of God, children of God, you, me, all of us, for certain. Such welcome into the family is God's grace to us. Grace upon grace. Amen. Please join me in some moments of silent prayer and reflection. <laughs> 